0: Ashley Ben how are you today?
1: I am well, Ben Pakulski. Thank you for asking. I'm happy to be here with you.
0: What are we talking about today?
1: Oh man, we're talking about so much. But before we get into it, because you always ask me this, and because I feel really proud of my breakfast today, I want to ask what you have <laughs> I'm for still breakfast. Like <laughs> <laughs> what did you yeah. have?
0: Pretty consistently, I'm gonna have some type of wild meat, like today was venison, and I had some broccoli slaw and some red cabbage. With a ton of fresh pressed olive oil and some Redmond sea salt. That's pretty much consistently my breakfast. If my daughter's sharing with me, then I have to put apple cider vinegar on it because she insists on it.
1: Really? Uh, she likes that?
0: She, she's amazing. That's
1: pretty awesome. Yeah, she,
0: yeah, she's the only child I think in the world that's like, like, insists on having apple cider vinegar on her food. Yeah, she's wonderful. And yeah, that was breakfast today. Big old cup of coffee with my intelligence mixture in there. Yes. And uh,
1: that was it. Yeah, we got to make sure we put that in a upcoming newsletter, the like B pack Muscle Intelligence Coffee, because people ask about that all the time. I'm gonna make a note of that.
0: Yeah, people keep saying, "Hey man, you should have this made." And you know, I have a really, really good coffee roaster around the corner. Like literally, I could throw a stone and have them do it. And they've just started doing coffee cold brew in a can. Mm-hmm. So I was speaking to the guy yesterday. I was like, "Hey man, if I just asked you to put some MCT and some collagen in there and some lion's mane and some alpha GPC, could you do it?" I was goes, like, "Of course." So it may be easier than. It may just be presenting itself in front of me Rather than me having to go seek it It may just be presenting itself
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things too Like I do like different concoctions with my coffee Depending on what I feel like And it's fine But sometimes it's like one of those things Where it just tastes better when somebody else makes it You know, like salads When someone else makes a salad I enjoy it so much more than when I make a stupid salad That probably isn't going to be that delicious You know what I mean? Like The fact that you
0: put that word in front of it Says a lot about the effort
1: that's going to No, but I mean the thing is If I make a delicious salad It ends up being like more calories. Calories and more stuff in it than if I just like I should have just eaten a burger at the end of the day because I'll put so much stuff in this salad. It's like thousand calories, and I'm totally missing the point. Anyway, I could go on.
0: I think the point isn't to necessarily restrict calories. But the point is, maybe it is when it. you're
1: small, Ben. You forget. Not everybody is 250 pounds. <laughs>
0: Anyway, right. So anyway, we've been getting great feedback on the weekly habits, Ash. So yes. first week we put in the get rid of the victim words and we've had really, really good feedback on that. Literally yep. hundreds of people from around the world saying thank you for this and getting rid of that of your life. So thank you to the listeners. Last week we asked people to take a social media sabbatical and yeah. uh, hopefully some people obliged that. You know, that's a lot harder. It's it's so easy to get addicted.
1: Mm-hmm. and.
0: This week, we talked about bringing in another habit. I want to start the podcast off with that today because it's one that's kind of near and dear to my heart. And if you're someone who lives in modern-day society, typically, we live in abundance, right? We have an abundance of things that we likely don't need. And these things are a distraction. So I'm sitting here at my desk right now. And my desk in the office is... you know, When people bring things into my office, they dump it on my desk. And my desk right now is cluttered. And this brings up this great habit of... Getting rid of at least five things that you haven't used in the last 30 days. And I think this habit, you know, once a month of doing this, like the, we're at the beginning of the month, let's knock this out five things. So I came home from my month away and, you know, kind of went on a little bit of a Goodwill Salvation Army rampage and just started literally grabbed two garbage bags, threw a whole bunch of clothes, shoes, belts, bags, hats ton of stuff. Half the stuff I probably never worn into a bag, took it straight to, we have a place here called The Spring, which uh, apparently helps local people in need. And I want to take all that stuff to them. So I want to encourage everybody, or at least create a call to action today that says, hey, everybody, show me your, you know, quote unquote, spring cleaning. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not spring, but we're going to do at least least five things you know right now that you haven't used in the last 30 days. Get rid of them because it's all just nonsense that's cluttering your life. You don't need it. And if you're someone who lacks productivity, which seems like it's a huge thing in our life today, that's a great way to help you get productive because your environment on the outside is indicative of the environment on the inside, right? If we're not organized on the outside, it's very hard to be productive and organized on the inside. So we're going to start today's podcast with our weekly habit of getting rid of at least five things That you haven't used in the last 30 days?
1: I love that. I love two things about this mostly. One is that you make it sort of quantitative because if you just said, like, hey, like, think about, you know, getting rid of some stuff, like, that means nothing and nobody knows what that means. Like, they might throw out like an empty coffee cup. But if you say, get rid of five things you have that are cluttering your life that you never use. And then also, you touched on maybe repurposing these things for people who who actually would use them or, or would find value in them. Like one of the things that I do very frequently in terms of decluttering is I read a lot of books, I have a lot of books, I get a lot of books sent to me. And I love to keep them all because I'm a book nerd. But it gets to a point where it's just clutter, you know, you're not going to necessarily read some of these again. So I bring them to the local library or to, you know, local shelter, or somewhere that could actually use the books that they're really going to be a benefit, you know, instead of like, I don't know, throwing them out or putting them in your basement or something. So I get rid of books a lot. But I like the idea of like picking five things that are just adding to the clutter in your house and your brain and giving them maybe to somebody who could actually make use of them.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people in the current day and age place their self-worth on their physical belongings, right? And that's just ridiculous, right? It's not the clothes you wear. It's not the car you drive. It's not the house you live in. So all those things, if you're attached to them... You know, it comes back to this: if you can't, you must. If you're attached to certain things, you know, you still don't use it. Give it to someone who you know needs it, because uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who definitely need something. Ash, so thank you for your insight. Yeah,
1: awesome. Okay, all right. So now that we have our Monday motivation,
0: oh, before we continue, okay, you didn't close the loop around what you had for breakfast.
1: Oh yeah, we we went off track. I had eggs and avocado and your favorite <laughs> bacon, but. I had, it's like, I don't know if you've ever had this before. It's not like traditional bacon. It's sort of like the ends. So it's like basically like a big pile of sort of like fat back and like a little bit of actual pork meat. It's mostly fat. So I just basically chopped this up into like bacon nuggets and like mixed it all in this like delicious bowl of eggs cooked in the bacon fat and then avocado. And it was just the best thing in the world. But I feel like my brain is like, supercharged right now from all that fat. So I know you're not a big bacon person, but you're in the minority then. So I think people listening will be like, know, yes, I'm into it.
0: I've been trying to eat bacon a little bit more lately. And, and I've you know, i had bites in here and there and trying to kind of re... I just think for the longest time, I just thought it was disgusting. Not even flavor-wise, like sure, it tastes great, but it's just tasting like some artificial smoky flavor. People just like the salt and the smoke, mm. not actually you know, the actual bacon. So I'm getting really high quality bacon from Whole Foods And uh, it seems like it's okay. Like I'm, I'm not. Still, just kind of disgusted by the fact of what it is. Anyways, moving
1: on. Yeah, it's funny. I actually, know, I actually got a message on social media that was like, tell me what you and Ben, because we're a package deal now, whether you <laughs> like it or not, <laughs> they were like, tell me, tell me what you and Ben think about pork as a protein source. And I said, I'm pretty sure, I don't want to speak for you ever, but I'm pretty sure that I'm more of a pork fan than Ben. And a lot of people do have issues with pork because, I mean, for a number of reasons, there's cultural and religious reasons, but there's also the fact that I think you've alluded to like Pigs are pretty gross, but I'm like, you know what other animal is super gross? People and yeah, we're not eating them, but like we like people, right? And we're pretty gross, dirty animals. Like, there's all kinds of studies about how our mouths are disgusting and our hands are dirty, and we don't, we don't we're not the cleanest animals either. And we still love people, so like, don't give pigs a bad name because they roll around and poop I'm and buy like not animals. Eat give them the a flesh
0: break. of a human, nor am I going to eat the liver or the belly of a human, right? So,
1: probably not. I like well, that you said, probably so let them eat whatever the
0: hell they want, and uh, as long as they, they keep it away from me, yeah.
1: And I mean, I said. I said realistically though like first of all no one needs pork to survive right as delicious as bacon is if you're iffy about it if you're not quite like into it you don't need it to have gains and have health you don't need pork you can choose other options however i think ultimately with any protein source it's about sourcing The best quality you can. If you're getting heritage breed, pasture raised, really well taken care of pigs, like you're doing all right. And if you like pigs and you like bacon, like just get the best quality, just like you would with any animal. So
0: I have a really badass farmer in Canada who is telling me about his farming practice, and so he's got a relatively small farm, but he's growing his distribution business. So he literally will drive your meat to right to your house. Like every weekend, he has his him and his team kind of drive out all the meat that you order to your house. And I was telling him, he's like, oh, can I bring you some bacon? I'm like, man, you know what? I don't eat it. I'm not a big fan. And he goes, oh, well, and he said, why? And I said, well, because I think they're kind of gross. He goes, no, 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 man. My pigs are not gross. So he went out of his way to tell me this story about him and his brother, how they both go out every week and they feed the pigs by hand and they pet them and they love them and they only have one really bad day in their life. And that's the day when he happens to take their life to use them for meat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. So he's literally out there playing with them. And he's like, these pigs are eating better than most humans. Like they eat mostly carrots and apples and things that makes their, their meat a little bit sweet. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty interesting perspective because I just assumed like – you know what I what I would normally have seen in pigs in the past on farms is pretty gross, but so if anything is going to compel me maybe to have some pig, it'll be the, them because I know they're getting love throughout their life. Which, yeah, you know whether you love it or hate it is maybe better.
1: Yeah, there you go. Like the get, eat the snobby pigs if you're really if you're really uh, well, careful. All animals are gross. Like animals don't smell good. They're you know, rolling around in the mud, like they're all gross. So just- but
0: Ash, you know, I'm the woo-woo guy who believes in like the energy signature of the food, right? If that food has been mistreated, it's going to have a oh, different yeah. type of composition. So I, I agree I with think that. it matters. Yep. Yeah. And I think, and I get, that's why vegans go that path, right? It's like, if, if you're a vegan for moral reasons, because you don't want to see animals mistreated, I respect that completely. Yeah, I think if it's for health reasons, I think it doesn't make any sense at all, but, or at least very little sense. Um, but You know, for moral reasons, it totally makes sense because they they are mistreated, and most people don't give a shit about the cows; they just want to make money. And I get that perspective too. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, let's move along and not be a dead horse or Or a dead dead pig. pig.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that got really graphic. Okay, I have some training questions for you. One of them is about DOMS and severe. you know, delayed onset muscle soreness. And the question is, first of all, should you ever have it? If you have it, does that mean you did something wrong? And how do you personally, or how do you recommend dealing with people who we, they maybe went a little too hard and two days later, they're like, I can barely walk. What are some recommendations you have for sorting that out?
0: Well, if you're doing that, chances are you don't know anything about training. And I suggest you start paying attention to the stuff that I teach you online. So
1: I'll give you the
0: quickest explanation I can. For everyone who doesn't understand how training works, a concentric rep, so the muscle contraction phase is very much energy demanding. It's very calorically expensive and uh, primarily going to create a metabolic stress on your body. So it's increasing the calorie expenditure, increasing the amount of ATP your body needs to produce, potentially causing more uh, hyperemia, which is like cell swelling. The eccentric or lengthening phase of the muscle contraction is passive, no calories burned. And actually increases the muscle damage. So if you think of like the little muscles as little Velcros that just like tear themselves apart on every eccentric. So the more time spent in eccentric, thereby definition, the more muscle soreness you will create. So... Paying attention to that and the amount of time spent in eccentric is extremely important for anybody progressing. Here's why. The, the objective of training should be minimum effective dose to create the internal stimulus for growth, not maximum, right? So anytime you're creating a massive amount of training stress, because that's literally what it is your body then has to combat that and come back for like, I just kind of liken it to digging a hole when you're trading versus digging a trench, right? You want to dig a little hole so that you know, 24, 48, 72 hours later, your body's able to fill it back in with the nutrients and the protein and all that good food. But if you dig a big trench, it's going to take a lot longer, and then it's going to take you longer to get back in the gym. There's a whole a huge amount of time after you train that's going to be spent in this kind of negative balance of trying to dig that hole back in, and your body's allocating all these resources back into that thing when it doesn't really need to, or it doesn't. It's n- not necessary to elicit the mm-hmm. muscle building response. So. If you're a trainer or if you're someone who's listening to this podcast, like learning to be diligent and pay attention to the amount of volume relative to the last time is very important. So paying attention to quality first and then looking at, you know, subjectively or objectively, hey, how did you feel after last workout? If last workout I did 10 sets for this body part, well, I shouldn't do 20 today. I should do you know, maybe one more or maybe a little bit heavier or maybe a little bit, you know, just progress linearly, right? So, you know, you're kind of moving in the right direction because your body only has the ability to recover from kind of just a little bit more than it's used to, right? If if I subject my body to twice as much as it's used to, I'm going to create massive amounts of stress to all these different systems because your body's just allocating all these resources. Anyways, long story short, don't do it. If you did do it, the only way out of it ultimately is you're going to have to endure it, but try to increase your body's excretion. So try to increase your body's, you know, urination and and excretion through fiber intake. So more water, more okay. fiber, more saunas. So we're getting rid of those toxins that accumulate and increase your protein intake, right? So increase your utilizable protein intake. So make sure your body's digesting the protein you eat, some essential amino acids in, in protein or sorry, in powder form, maybe even some additional leucine things like that can support your body's ability to kind of fill that Mm -hmm. trench back in and carbohydrates make a big difference as well. So there's a lot of things you can do, but I think that's just a simple jumping off point for everybody.
1: That's really helpful. Okay. And then also what about like you do a crazy leg day, two days later, you can barely walk going for walks, like having some blood flow. That's going to help too.
0: Yeah. Moving is key, right? Moving is very, very important. Um, You know, it's funny because like people ask if I'm sore and I think for the last 25 years, I've spent 80% of my life really sore. So I'm not even acknowledging it anymore. Like what is sore? So like an eight out of 10 to me would be very different than an eight out of 10 to somebody else. So like if I'm an eight, I'm bedridden. I can't even move. Mm. So I don't often get there. But for other people, you know, maybe uh, an eight for them is, you know, a relatively low degree of soreness for me. Um, so it may actually be hindering their day-to-day activities based on their conscious perception. So anything that allows increased blood flow, anything that uh, allows you to maintain range of motion at the joints. So if you create a tremendous amount of muscle damage, it's been shown that every time you do that, the muscle actually heals a little bit shorter. So that's what causes tightness. So it's very important that during that recovery phase, like forty-eight to seventy-two hours after a workout, that you're doing some things to lengthen the muscle. So that could be stretching actively. That could be you know maybe passive stretching. That could be things like yoga or just doing additional training. Right, getting the body moving. So people have this perception of training can only happen every two to three days. Well. Training to exhaustion, failure, and fatigue should only happen every two to three days per body part, but you can certainly still do exercise for those body parts every single day, especially if you're trying to learn a skill. So... Yes, Ash, to answer your question in a simple way, blood flow is key, but so is the lengthening and contracting of that muscle to encourage nutrient delivery and opening up of those cells to more nutrients. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. And just to kind of close the loop on this conversation, just having someone who isn't as high level and educated about this stuff as you are, but still somebody who's been in this world for a little while, kind of my two cents, one of the The things that I think is key about this conversation is that beginners probably don't have to deal with this as much because they don't even quite have the capacity to get to that point. And pros like you maybe don't have to deal with it this much because you know your body better and you understand these things. It's this group of us in the middle who are kind of meatheads. We work out a lot and maybe we've got an ego still and don't know how to deal with it. And, you know, we took two weeks off for whatever reason and we come back and we think we can do exactly what we did before. So it's like, it's this group of us in the middle who, have the ability to get that sore, but aren't educated enough on how to not get that sore. I think it's us that have to really internalize what you said about paying attention to what your volume usually is and, and what you're usually capable of doing and paying attention to how much time you've taken off and what your stress level is and what your sleep level is and your hydration and all of these things, paying attention to it because you know if I've taken a month off because I had an injury and I come back and I try to do exactly what I did before and crush this crazy leg day, like that's me being an idiot. I should know better at this point. So that mindfulness, of course it comes back again and again in everything that we talk about. But I think I think it's worth noting that it's like this big group of us in the middle who kind of know just enough to think we know what we're doing, but not quite yet. Those are the people who really have to pay attention to this doms issue because we're the ones who can really get ourselves into some trouble.
0: And I do it all the time too. That's just to finish that. It's like, you know, you come back into the gym and you're working out with somebody like often I get people who come into my gym who are like, Hey man, let's get a workout in. And clearly I still have to have a huge ego and keep up. So what's this, <laughs> this? I'm
1: time. glad that you admit it. Cause I don't think people would think that about you, but I mean, you know, you've got your gym and you've got like these big, big dudes coming in all the time. who are like, all right, let's do this. Like, it's pretty hard for you to or say no. I'm, right.
0: I'm known as one of the best guys in the world for building muscle. And, and I'm not going to let that you know, notoriety go away by letting people yeah. kick my ass. Like I'm going to keep up. Um, you know, I've always been known for being the hardest working guy. I'm going to keep that up. So, you know, whether it's bright or not, uh, and I still enjoy it. Right, I still really love pushing that hard all the time. And I think people mm-hmm. should develop that habit of like, yes, okay, it's good to have some really you know, mediocre workouts that are not maximum intensity. But knowing how to pull that lever and hit the gas pedal, you know, push it to the floor is, I think, one of the most important assets as a human, just learning how to, you know, I think coming back to this animalistic instinct that we have is you walk into a room and the room is full of animals. And it's like walking up to the watering hole, you know, a couple hundred thousand years ago. Who's the alpha, right? And I think males and females still have that awareness of like, Oh, I still want to know that if I need to kind of pull that lever, I yep. can still go there. And, and I think it's important to my self-confidence and to, you know, anytime I walk into a business meeting, anytime I walk into anything, I think it's important for me to know that, you know, I still have the ability to access my, you know, testosterone, my alpha driven male mind. That's that's why I believe so many men right now are are, are pulling themselves into jujitsu, right? They're appealing to jujitsu because it gives you that self-empowerment of, Hey, man, you know, you can talk as loud as you want. You can yell what you want. But if you take a wrong step, I'm going to choke you out. Mm-hmm. And you can do it in a way that's really, really calm and doesn't require you to be a hothead asshole. And I think that's kind of what bodybuilding has done for me is give me this quiet confidence where I don't have to be boisterous and be a dickhead. I can just, you know, confidently walk into any room knowing that, hey, I'm strong. I'm confident. I'm, I have that switch to go to those places that uh, most people can't and won't.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's absolutely why I do jujitsu, so I get it. But it's also, like you said, having the wisdom to know when to turn the switch on and off, right?
0: I want to talk about that. I love that you said that because, you know, talking about strong women, I don't think that's characteristic of a lot of women, right? Because there's not a lot of female role models out there saying, hey, I still want to have the confidence to know that – I'm an alpha female. How do you define that? And let's talk about that a little, Ash, because I think that's super cool that you pointed that out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a big conversation. And I think that it's it's, to a certain degree, it's subjective, right? Because I've always kind of struggled with feeling like I have a more masculine attitude towards how I want to put myself out into the world. And I've kind of struggled with it because I don't want to feel like I have to, air quotes, act like a dude or behave like a man or like manly things in order to get respect or be considered strong. I don't like that that's a thought that goes through my mind. But... I do still feel like some of the ways that I think or the ways that I approach things or the things that I'm interested just aren't something that I can connect with a lot of women. And that's not to say any women, because I've developed a pretty awesome group of strong alpha women who are into a lot of the same things I am. But I think ultimately, whether you're into knitting or jujitsu or being a mom or being a CEO or whatever, it's about, and I've spoken about this before, it's about, we've talked about it before too, I think competence breeds confidence. I think that learning and understanding yourself and learning your craft, whatever that craft is, and feeling very, very confident in your ability to take care of things. And that goes for men and women. I just think that women maybe don't vocalize it as much. Knowing that I can Take care of shit in the gym. Like, I know how to do these movements and these exercises. I'm strong. I know that I can go in there and push myself. I know that I could show off if I need to. Like, that gives me a lot of confidence. And knowing that I also am physically capable. Like I, you know, I probably couldn't beat you in an arm wrestle or a jujitsu match, but I know some things. And that gives me confidence in the way I move throughout the world. And when people look at me and they see that I move through the world with confidence, that is like this positive feedback loop where maybe people aren't gonna fuck with me as much. Cause they're like, she doesn't look like an easy target because I don't look like an easy target. I'm not an easy target. You see what I mean? So I think that, yeah, it's just about whatever you're into, whatever you're passionate about, whatever's important to you, learn about it and dedicate and be a lifelong learner and get better and just be, feel competent in what you're doing. And the confidence comes from that. And then there you go. I don't know. Yeah. I
0: love it, Ash. And, uh, yeah, there's so much wisdom in that and you know, it kind of ties into this book I was just telling you that I've been mm. rereading is Dr. Wayne Dyer, Your Erroneous Zones. And I suggest everyone go out and get that book quickly. It's just this idea of people needing confidence and uh, lacking it and, and seeking it in acceptance of others, right? Most people don't have internal confidence in themselves and their ability to make decisions so they start seeking it. And this is a learned behavior from the type of your child. And I love that you're leading this charge. And I don't think it's a masculinization of anything. I think it's just like whatever you do, have confidence in your ability to do it well, no matter what it is, right? Like if you're just a stay-at-home mom or if you're a lawyer or if you're like whatever – have confidence in your ability to do it to the best of your ability and continue to get better and better at it perpetually. It doesn't have to be something that, you know, I don't have to be an MMA fighter to be considered an alpha male. I think you're strong, you're confident, you know what you believe and you're not constantly seeking acceptance from other people, right? If I don't have the ability to voice my opinion, it's because I'm looking for your acceptance. So if I say something and you don't agree with me and I change my position, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I need your acceptance for some reason to give me self-worth so I feel like we can bond on something. And I just don't agree with that. I think you need to have your own opinions and you need to voice them. And mm-hmm. if you don't agree, that's okay too. You don't need to agree on everything. You know, It's okay to have your own opinion and not have to have a fight about it. Yeah, so again, that's a great book, and I suggest everyone read that book. It's written in 1976, and is certainly the foundation of the self-help movement that exists now. and And don't get deterred by the fact it was written in 1976, because it's literally mm. the best self-help book I've ever read. Dr. Wayne Dyer is, uh, you know, sorry, was just an absolute gift to the human race, and his ability to think through processes and everything he says just sounds so simple and logical, but that's the beauty of it is he's pointing things out to you in a way that you're like, yeah, that makes so much sense. And he's certainly one of the top three biggest influences on my life as far as people in that you know, self-improvement optimization space. So it was him, it was Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins were kind of my three biggest influences from day one.
1: Cool. All right. Adding that to my list. We'll make sure it's in the show notes too, so people can check out that book. Speaking of your ego and getting your ass kicked in your own gym, guess who's headed to <laughs> MI40 this week? When this podcast comes out, your Tampa Muscle Camp will have just finished. So people will have to check out both of our social media, but all social media, because everyone will be posting about it. I'll be posting about it constantly while I'm there. I'm so excited. But you have some new muscle camps coming up that people are very pumped about, right? So I feel like you should mention that again so people can reach out if they're interested.
0: Yeah. So the, the most current or the one that's going to happen most immediately is Vancouver. So I think the date is going to be, we're gonna actually going to announce it, probably tomorrow. I said to finalize it today. It's either going to be the 22nd or the 24th of November. So the Friday or the Sunday I'm leading actually now toward the Sunday, I originally told everyone it was going to be the 20, it was going to be the 22nd, but I might not be able to get there by the 22nd. Cause I'm I have to wait for my kids to finish school before I fly okay. out. So likely be the 24th of November, which is a Sunday. Again, check my social media for that. If you're interested, just fire me a DM. I've already had a ton of people messaging me on, on social. who we are going to attend. It's going to be a relatively small one day camp and really try to make it as personal as possible. And it's not going to be high priced. It's just going to be me trying to connect with all the people out there in, in the Vancouver area who are you know, interested in, in fitness optimization and training hard. We're going to do one workout and talk about everything that goes into muscle centric training and optimizing your internal environment for you know, cognitive optimization and physique optimization, fat loss, and, and you know, ultimately performance. So that's one day. And then in February, we are going to be in Dubai, uh, confirmed this morning. We're going to do January 31st, February 1st, and February 2nd in Dubai. That's going to be myself and Milos Sarchev, as we talked about last week. The very next weekend, we're going to be in Sydney, Australia. The weekend after that, we're going to be in Melbourne, Australia. All three camps are going to be myself and Milos. And then the week after that, I'm going to be in New Zealand. And I believe that one's going to be me solo. But which will be uh, awesome. And teaching again, trying to get away from this. You know, two years ago, my podcast was The Muscle Expert and was very focused around building muscle. And I still make that a big piece of uh, what I teach because I think most people don't know what they're doing and they need a lot of help and can certainly benefit from guidance. But the thing that I think most people can benefit from, even in addition to what goes on inside the gym, is learning how to manage all those other things that go into. Performance optimization and cognitive optimization and nutrition and stress and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what this course is. And I'm calling it level two. You don't actually have to have gone to a level one, but it's just kind of this foundation for optimization, right? So everything that goes into your body, and there's going to be a small component of it that's training-based. We're going to have workouts every day, but really the training is going to be more focused around hard workouts and very specific stimuli. So that's what's going to be happening in all of those camps and having Milos join me. As you saw, I don't know if you know who Milos was, but if you don't know who Milos Sarchev is, I think everyone should go follow him on social media and check him out. And no exaggeration when I say this guy has one of the top five physiques in the history of humanity, like using a competitive bodybuilder through the mid 90s and early 2000s. And, you know, one of my mentors growing up and, and without exaggeration, certainly has one of the best bodies ever.
1: Yeah, I could second that. I mean, when you mentioned him, like the name sounded familiar and then I went and checked him out after and I was like, holy moly. Because I'm a big fan of the sort of, you know, the back in the day, like Arnold in his heyday, sort of classic physique. Like I sort of, you know, I like that look and I'm looking at this guy. And of course now he's what? You said he's in his like 50s? He's in his 50s, yeah. And he still
0: looks, still 4% body fat.
1: Yeah, he looks crazy. And it's not like he looks, I don't know, like a hard Muscular mid fifties. Like he looks good. Like he looks healthy. He looks really yeah, good. Absolutely. Anyway,
0: anyway, <laughs> ask, I don't want to get too excited. I mean, we yes, will <laughs> we'll
1: head to Dubai and say hi to Milos. Okay, but so let's just remind people if they are interested in any of these because you've got a ton lined up here. I know you're posting on social media, and people can give their email address that way. And then you'll make sure that you put these dates as they come up, like in the newsletter, so if people are subscribed to that, or they can respond with their email address. So we'll put all of those like in a nice safe place somewhere, so that when the dates are official these guys will be the first to know, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone's not already subscribed to the newsletter, go ahead and do that. MuscleIntelligence.com slash podcasts. You can do that now. I will also give you one of our awesome guides, the 44 Success Principles of the 30 Day of Daily Habits. And so just finishing up why I decided to work with Milos. One, he was one of my greatest mentors growing up. I aspired to have a physique very much like his. He was a massive influence on my physique. Two, he's the hardest training guy I've ever met in my entire life. Makes me look like a you know, a little kitten. And three, This is and maybe the most important, well, three, I guess I should say he's got incredible integrity. Four, he's one of the brightest, most meticulous people I've ever met in my life. So, when I first met him, I tell the story all the time. I walked into his home, he invited me in his beautiful home in Southern California. And I walked into his office, which was just beautifully decorated in kind of like an antique way. And he showed me all of his journals from his bodybuilding career. And I thought this was just so fascinating that Every single thing that went into his body was written in this journal down to the milligram, down to the pill, down to how many times he had sex with his wife, down to like, you know, pictures every day. It was just incredible. And so to me, that shows a commitment to excellence. And I think my opinion, and I could be wrong, I think that's what's lacking in our athletes of today Nobody everyone has this belief that it's like, oh, it's gonna be the drugs or it's gonna be, you know, whatever, the the nutrition. But it really is your commitment to a world-class standard. What would it look like to be the best in the world at this? And unless you have that in your head, you will not succeed, right? That's the only thing I could think about, dream about when I was aspiring to be a professional bodybuilder. What do I have to do to be the best? What do I have to do to be the best? And certainly there was times when I didn't think I was gonna do it, and certainly there was times when I knew I would. But just that objective of what does it look like to be the best in the whole world and, you know, writing down, you know, how many meals I had and, and how much I slept and how I felt and, you know, his, his supplement protocols leading into contests so he could literally look at. You know, the 97 Olympia, 98 Olympia, 99 Olympia, 2000 Olympia and go, well, that's exactly what I did last year. And that didn't work. And I did this and it worked. And he would do show after show after show and write down every little thing so he could go back and and checking, okay, well, I did this. And I really like that way that worked. So let's do that again. And I think that's really missing in a lot of our current athletes, at least there's not a lot that I see portraying that publicly. And also, you would know, right? If someone is that meticulous with their details and their journaling, you would see it in their physique. And we just don't. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyone out there listening who actually aspires to be a great anything someday, set goals, forecast, create an action plan, reflect, Mm -hmm. right? You have to reflect. And that's what he did so well. And that's why I think it'd be an amazing, amazing time to learn from that guy. He's he's one of the greatest ever.
1: I love that. I love that you're always bringing in kind of additional value to these camps. I mean, people will travel and go and spend money just to see you. And that's deservedly so. But I think it's cool that you're always bringing in new people with different, equally amazing perspectives. And people who are going to go to these camps in the new year are going to be very lucky to have you both. So it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like we're only going to do these six camps. So we've got, like I said, or five or six. So then that'll be the end of it for Melissa and I. So if anyone is able to make it over, it'd be great to have you.
1: Sweet. I know you have a hard stop, right? Like if we don't get off this call soon, you're going to turn into a pumpkin or the Hulk or something. I got to let you go.
0: We've got a few more minutes. If there's any more questions you want to throw in.
1: Okay. There was actually one more that we could do probably kind of quickly. And it's Similar sort of, we were talking about DOMS, but I got a couple questions about people who are wondering how they approach getting back into the gym after an injury or even while recovering from an injury. So say somebody has like a shoulder surgery and they're recovering and they still want to go into the gym and move their body and not let everything else kind of go to waste while this shoulder's recuperating. What kind sure. of high level suggestions do you have for people who are in there and trying to do it safely, intelligently?
0: Sure. Well, step one is get the range of motion back. It goes passively, like, can I move myself there? Then actively, can I contract muscles there? And then it's, and then loading starts eccentrically. You always want to start with an eccentric load, and then you can work to extending time. I don't suggest people extend load for quite a while after an injury, until, obviously, until you've got the go-ahead from your doctor. So it's going to be – yeah, so just – Passive range mobility, active range mobility, which means I'm actually using my muscles to contract and then eccentric loading and then spending more time in those positions of weakness. And that's just the simple kind of four-step progression toward regaining mobility and strength and stability in those areas yeah, is that as quickly as I can answer it, I guess.
1: Do you have any insight into, because I've had a couple of people ask me this, like they're talking about taking either like, because we talked a little bit about the like post-surgery, like peptide protocol or even things like collagen and stuff like that. And I've heard people say that like, you shouldn't use that kind of like, post-surgery recovery protocol right away because you want to give your body a chance to implement its own internal sort of mechanisms first. Do you know anything about that? Or is it like you get out of surgery, immediately get into it?
0: Give it to your surgeon to inject it for you. I'd say like the sooner you can get it in, the better. So looking at pro athletes and pro teams, the protocol is like if I hurt myself tomorrow and I'm in for surgery and literally the surgeon's injecting things in there that are going to accelerate my healing, right? If there's some peptides that are legal. I'm going with those. And so for anyone with an injury, TB500 is very good for ligaments, tendons, bones. BPC-157 is known for healing tissues. So muscles and skin, et cetera. So, and I've seen it do some crazy things. And if anyone's got any gut distress, BPC-157 is maybe the best thing you could possibly do for leaky gut and healing the intestinal walls. You can take that orally. So, BPC is normally an injection, but you can actually take it orally as well. Mm,
1: okay. That is very helpful because that's something I didn't know. I didn't know if it's like you're supposed to kind of let your body do its thing first or no, you just immediately start supporting your own ability to heal with whatever tools you can access really.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if anyone has a contrarian view there, I'd love to mm-hmm. hear it. Again, what you're saying makes sense. Like I want my body to kind of initiate the recovery cascade, mm-hmm. but... You know, if my goal is getting back in as quickly as I can, then like whatever the hell I can do, it's like, it's not, I'm not sticking my big toe in, right? I'm diving in headfirst and giving my body everything I possibly can to accelerate growth. So that's, you know, maybe it's hyperbarics, maybe it's growth factors, maybe it's TB 500, maybe it's, I don't know, you name it, right? Anything I can do to improve the recovery response. And that's a wrap, ladies and gents. I hope you enjoyed our Q&A for today. If you guys did enjoy the Q&A, please head over to MuscleIntelligence.com. Leave us your email and join our newsletter. Head over to iTunes and leave us a review. And always, always follow myself, BPAC Fitness, and Ashley, the Muscle Maven, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We truly love you guys and truly appreciate all the amazing feedback we've been getting. If you do love the podcast, again, share with at least one person you know and love have an amazing day and live your greatest life in a body that you love. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode.